is Ben. We got Benjamin Diagolar. We got Tony Reed. We got Nathan Newspalm. We're going to talk about the shakes today. Um, and when I say the shakes, I mean the vibrations that happen uh, when people are trying to do exercise, particularly corrective exercise when they're trying to establish like a new range of motion or a just different neurological connection than they're used to and whether that's good or bad or when that is good or bad. Um, I'm just going to talk about like my experience with it. So I think the first time I really started to feel that was when I got into FP and I started doing the 10 week course and there was like uh, a rowing motion where the intent was just to find like the lat as you pulled and then create some like unilateral glute tension. And for whatever reason, like just that motion of connecting my glute to my lat, like seemed to give me that kind of input where I was like shaking quite a bit. And looking back at it now, it seemed like I really didn't have that much control over the motion. Part of it might've been that it was relatively new, but I think part of it also was I had seen the shaking and maybe been told that the shaking was the route to progress. So it kind of became something that I was looking for and potentially something that my body was almost like uh, promoting because it, it was like the good stuff. It was what I thought I was supposed to be doing. Um, further along my journey, I like kind of realized, okay, though, that doesn't make the most sense. And I think some people at FD kind of figured it out that like, okay, we can't just have everybody coming to our courses and gyrating all over the place, thinking they're doing stuff right. Um, so like, okay, guys, like chill, try to like calm down, try to like control the shakes. Um, and I've kind of been in, I've been in instances more recently where I like was in a new position. I had the shaking, but uh, over time I was able to kind of control. That's kind of the way that I'm seeing it now, but I'm interested to get your guys' perspectives. One on like what is happening when that happens. And is that something that we want to promote or is that something we need to quell? Um, ben, I want to start with you because you have probably the most um, experience with shakes um, out of all of us. And, not necessarily by choice. And I don't know if you want to get into that story or not, but uh, <laughs> what do you think is happening when somebody's like trying to achieve a new position and they start shaking? It's kind of like a range finder. So in essence, the body, like our nerves speak in uh, electrochemical reactions. So then if you're learning a new position, you're in essence unstable and you're creating a larger static charge because you're entering into new terrain. It's like any time that you do something new, it's the most daunting because you're gathering the most data. Kind of like children, they don't come out crawling linear, they go here and here and all around the square in order to gather data. It's like creating that charge so that they can move refined when they have the ability to do so, but not without first gathering data. So when you're entering into a new position and your body is shaking, right? Like we see it sometimes with some of the methodologies on the internet and they're seeing it. And like you're mentioning, <laughs> they're promoting that. All right, there we go. That's the shake. That's what we're looking for. But uh, it really means that there's like a lack of stability. So then the body is producing extra charge in order to gather the data to be stable in a new position. So that's the experience that I've had in that regard. <laughs> And Tony, I know you've had some experience with this as well. Um, what did Z Health kind of touch on this at all in terms of like whether or not this was like good or, or bad or? Yeah, I, I, I would say that it, it, we touched on it not specifically in, in static positions, like in an isometric capacity, 
but more in our brain's tendency to skip to the next trusted position. So what happens is we don't really slow down with intent. We might slow down a movement because we go, whoa, whoa, slow down a little bit because we're looking for an error. But if we slow down the movement with the intent of being smooth and we go as slow as we physically can, what we'll start to see is we can notice gaps in vision. We can notice gaps in positions that our brain feels trusted in that we can hold without shaking. And the more of those positions we have along that range of motion that's in demand, the smoother we can produce that result without having disruptions along the way. And that's what those shaking, in my understanding, a lot of that shaking is, is to layer on what Bennett said, we're range finding and we're seeking at that point. We're looking for, for data. The picture isn't clear enough. There's no missing picture. The screen's never black. It's just very poor resolution. So what do we do? We skip to the part of the movie where it was clear again. So it's like a CD that skipped in the 90s. It will be playing everything smooth and then we just move on to the next one. So what, how do we get past that? Do it faster. Now we don't notice it. And that's what so many of us end up doing. So I think that this is also symptomatic of never really slowing down to, to consciously connect with the movements that we do so often until we're injured. So this is why we end up seeing the most in rehab. Gotcha. Nathan, with what you do and when you run people through your stuff, do you get this response out of many people? Uh, no, it's not as frequent. Um, you'd sooner feel like a, like a speed bump in the nerves than uh, the shakes. Cause I'm not giving people, um, I think that the seeking behavior, it's oftentimes in the feet. Uh, and it's oftentimes a byproduct of I'm not moving around. Like if you were in class and you were a high energy kid, like I was, you're probably tapping your feet while you're under the desk. And oftentimes it was because there was some measure of input data that wasn't being clear or focused. And maybe there was an issue with I'm sitting on only half of my sacrum or I'm hitting, sitting on only a piece of my organs. And there's something that's not quite feeling the same response that it would if you were walking around on it. Uh, I think some people have a miscommunication about what they're doing as far as mapping. Some people don't understand that they don't have a continuous uh, lens of the body and they start to pick up habits that uh, like shaking, like shifting, like uh, making noise or moving their face and their eyes a bunch. They help to establish like greater equivalence of their lack of comfort. So the seeking behavior can oftentimes lead to like recognizing a higher state of stress as a norm. And so people are just looking to upregulate their sense of clarity and focus. And that sometimes is just like a, you bleed energy into a space that's easier to think through because the other parts are harder to think through. So having as much input data in the feet or in the hands where it's shaking gives the brain some security where there's not an often enough uh, feedback loop wherever it is they're looking. Yeah, so generally what I've heard from kind of all you guys is that it is something that needs to be figured out. It's not the uh, marker of good exercise, although it is a marker that you're trying to do something that your body can't really handle yet. When you, uh, and anybody can jump in on this, when you kind of find yourself shaking during a particular motion or drill or whatever, how do you, how do you quell that? I try to find the ground. I like to find the 
uh, most actionable degree of gravity that I can employ. So I don't feel like I'm fighting or resisting gravity with whatever thing is shaking. The more that I can implement my own body weight over the thing that's shaking and start to like share the effort of load, then I no longer stay fixated on trying to make that thing comfortable. I'm trying to make my midline or my core comfortable. And when it all comes back to like the same intrinsic comfort level, kind of just makes it clear again. I try to base out, find the ground. I do something similar. Um, for mine, I usually come to shaking at points of fatigue. And if I'm bending something, like I'm, do I'm working on a steel sculpture where I don't, I'm not using any heater tools, I'm in various 3D positions trying to create force against my own body. I'll fatigue for a number of different reasons, or I'll, I'll, I'll fatigue, but I'll shake for a number of different reasons. Sometimes it's because I'm bruised in a spot and I may not realize it because I'm so focused on what I'm doing that it's an added, like a, like a yellow check engine light. It's not a stop signal, but it's a, hey, by the way, <laughs> unless you're not aware. Uh, and that's for me a lot of what the shaking becomes. And to quell that, um, that becomes a, a stop and assess moment, uh, unless I know that it's coming. If it's preemptive and I know that it's coming during an isometric and it's coming as a result of fatiguing, similar to Nathan, I try and find the two furthest points uh, of contact on the ground. So if I'm in a four point position, I'll try and find the two, you know, furthest points uh, and then try and breathe them at the same time. And, and that it, for me effectively is like spreading out a bed sheet. And it's a mental image that's, that's worked fairly well for me before. I got um, two examples, sort of like analogies or metaphors because the body never does anything for no reason. So I view it as it's creating energy. It's an impulse. So for me, I view it as like a Lego bag. And you have the instructions to formulate the Lego set, but those shakes are like the raw pieces in the bag before it's built. So it's still energetic currency, but unless it's channeled or rooted into something, it's not going to become the final set. So I use it as energetic currency to be like, my body's producing energy. If I store it in place, probably going to get hurt at some point because it's going to create a neurological lapse and it's going to pool at that area that I kept it. So if I channel it into something like those raw pieces in the Lego bag into the set, now it's energy to go towards, okay, am I stabilizing now? Am I building muscle? Am I using this energy to pivot and go somewhere else? So that's the first example. Second one is Tony and I were talking about short circuit the other day. <laughs> and uh, short circuit basically there's this robot and he gets struck by lightning and he comes to life air quotations and he generates this impulse i would view this impulse that he generates the same as the impulse that leads to shaking and he says need input so he knows he's in a situation that he's lacking information so that's like his shake and he'll go to a book and he'll rifle through it then all of a sudden he's stable with the thing that's been introduced to the situation so that's what I do with shaking is I view it as, okay, obviously I'm seeking input. Now, if I go and flip through the book like Johnny, I'm channeling that into something that I'm trying to achieve. Then it goes somewhere and it's not storing and like hyper-concentrating and becoming like neurological dynamite. I like that. That's it. That sounds like you're buffing out the image, right? Like you, you have a very coarse image. It's like a, a shadow in the dark. 
And then you'll sit there and put the energy on it until you know what it is, but you're not um, trying to control what it is. You're observing it as the picture is becoming clearer and clearer. And once you know mm -hmm. that it's not something dangerous, then you're no longer in your in and up anymore. You're no longer mm -hmm. fighting this urge to get out of that position. You can actually relax into that position. Hey, another thing came to mind. It's like, if you have a picture and it's black and then you have to erase the black and the image becomes clear, the shakes are like, instead of me guessing at what it is with a few lines, channeling that input, like you so eloquently mentioned there, Tony, is like clearing all the black and you have the image. Then you say, this is what the image is. I'm not guessing it's clear so I can move with that data versus reaching around in the dark. Similar to a cough. Like if you're trying to expel all the thing that's making it feel like it's heavy or stiff or it's not moving properly, you have to exert the whole thing and you have to like remind yourself what it feels like to use the thing. So the cough preempts another like clean ear, uh, like intake of breath. And I'm going to use Goda as an example because I see them using a heavy stream of the twitching uh, uh, often. I think that when you fixate on a position that doesn't allow for you to uh, get heavier, but it requires that you get more specific, then there's less option for bracing or option for availability with weight downward. You have to be perfect in the way that you balance your weight. And if people don't have options then they're not going to be able to seek properly anymore, they have to find that perfect position. And the issue with that is that there's no perfect position when you don't have access anymore. So like if there's not even a range of motion to be able to access, trying to seek that again is going to fix your whole structure into a much more restricted, much more tense allotment of bones and strict tissue. I think people justify the shakes sometimes as you're fighting against your, the old way of doing it, the way that you kind of prefer to manage this force. And because you've been doing it this way for so many years, you try to do it a different way or create this new stimulus. Uh, that's why it's like a, a battle between two forces and they're giving it their all. And that's creating this like inherent um, neurological struggle that results in the shaking. Um, do we think there's any truth to that? Tony, um, what do you think? Um, you can stand on one foot near a door sill as up on your toe. So get up off your heel and stand on tippy toe on one foot as long as you can without touching anything. You'll shake. And as soon as you touch the wall with one finger, that shake will subside almost entirely, if not entirely. And that that's basically showing you that that's the short circuit you're looking for. Like it's so you, you, as Ben said, you have so much energy charged up and it doesn't know where to go because it's not organized. It doesn't know what to do with this forced data because it's a position that you're not used to in a capacity that you're probably not used to. Um, but giving yourself the security of just being able to discharge and touch something. That's the whole point of having the FP sticks. They're not to bear weight. They're just to have the extra feedback. Yeah. If you're, if your joints are restricted and you don't allow for the palms, of your hands or feet to spread and the, uh, amount of bones and joints that make up the hands and feet are impacted, then there's likelihood that you're going to follow the nerve pathways that are biggest. And if you do that, the shakes that you have are going to look like they uh, follow the long end of your tissue, but they follow just the stuff that you're most able or accessible to. And that's why the, the bowing and cornering shit 
happens with that high ankle bone because you're following the big toe. It's the most neurally available conduit and you're following that spindle all the way opposite lifting off the ground. And it's grounding. It's literally seeking behavior. If your midline is understable, the things that are the most accessible to motion are going to be seeking stability. And that's your hands and feet. That's why they have so much tone in their feet or their ankles and calves, but that tone does not register up to their, their quads and butts. a great question ben and i feel like there's some truth to it and i would say the challenge in this land that we're now starting to adventure in is that we no longer can only be like a movement specialist or a physical apt now you're venturing into the realm of science because when you're dealing with the behavior of the nerves this is electrical impulse and energetic currency that is generated and has so many forms of expression that we still, as a collective, as a culture, barely have much of an idea as to what we're dealing with. So this is very difficult territory to navigate. So the expression is always multifold. So we can become 100% accurate on like some of the stuff that we're mentioning, but it's because we're viewing it, okay, we're accurate in this expression, that makes sense. But what about this expression? So I would liken it to talking about fighting against old patterns and then integrating new patterns. You're forcing a charge. So there's video available that shows how a neurological connection is actually created. And in essence, it's electricity that's constantly duplicated and replicated again and again and again and again to the point that it grows. Same way that like a plant grows. Cellular mitosis, it repeats and it grows. So you're creating a stem through force. And a great video that demonstrates this is when you see people send an electrical charge through wood and they burn it and it burns and forces itself in. And on a minute level, you need microscopic availability to see this stuff happen. It shakes as it goes and cuts in. So it looks like it's linear, but it's not. It actually shakes as it embeds itself into the wood with this electrical charge. So that's why when you're creating a new pattern, that shaking is going to happen because you're forcing a charge with a new move and it's generating a new neurological synapse inside your brain, which is connecting through the move through every single fucking nerve cell and cord and everything wherever the move is being generated. So it's hyper, hyper complex. And we have a lot of learning to do in order to really feel like, okay, here's what's happening and i feel like we all are being brave enough to start asking those questions and taking that adventure to see the multi-capacity the multi multi expression of nerves and how complex they actually are i was just thinking that in reality there's shaking going on like on a microscopic level like ben was saying um it's just it becomes it gets to the macro level when we like create that strong level of charge and we actually create like action potential. Like today I had an, an, an EMS session uh, for my Achilles and my calf where essentially he put the pads on my calf and just like juiced her up to the point where I could like handle it. And throughout the session, as I like tolerated more, it got to the point where I was actually like getting that motion completely involuntarily of my ankle, which is trippy to have it, have somebody else or some other entity doing it for you. Um, 
Ben, I know you you kind of utilize shaking as like a bit of a warm up, like an energetic warm up of sorts, and and probably mm-hmm. some other concepts where you're kind of intentionally creating a shaking. This is different than like the like the overload that somebody gets when they're trying to stabilize in a certain way. They're under under load, um, but it obviously it kind of pertains to the topic of shaking. Um, where how do you where's the value in that, and why do you uh, why do you like that so much? I'll take it again to a scientific explanation because uh, movement, we would have to talk and create a textbook. But with science, it's very A and B, one, two, and three. So in essence, shaking, you create friction and static electricity. Static electricity through biomagnetism aligns your cells, which means that your nerves from command center, top to bottom and back, are going to be more aligned, which just means they're communicating more efficiently. So it's like less middlemen. It's you talking directly to your fingers and your hands and your elbows versus having to wait for signals to go all the way through. It's like they're all speaking the same language. So in essence, it's simply just to get cells and everything aligned so that you're communicating like like a river. If I have sections and dams in every part of the river, the water's not going to go all the way through. Shaking, it's like I'm removing those dams and those stoppers. All the water goes all the way through. Easy communication. And it makes all the moves to follow after hopefully more fluid and you're more connected. And you use like dancing and you showcase like a video of people warming up for their sport dancing, which is really just controlled shaking in sorts. And it's a little more rhythmic, a little more gross. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. There, there seems to be a lot of like value in terms of it as a warm up, Um, And then even the action of say like throwing a punch, um, just the, the quickness of it, right? And I think you refer to it as like energy kind of from the ground coming all the way up in that quick like release, right? Um, there's there's like a, a buildup essentially, a release. And then is there kind of like a, a return, like a, back, like a vacuum of sorts that kind of comes into it? Yeah, recoil. Yeah. Energetic I, principle. Sorry, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that's kind of the, the point I was trying to get at is that we when we talk about like functional movement that we want to create elastic recoil and a lot of the ways mm-hmm. that people do it was essentially by trying to throw something as far from their body or as fast from their body to get that or to try to whip their body one way to the other um, and anybody can answer this is there some inherent I guess can you get a little stuck in your hands when you're doing something like that, where I'm thinking about, okay, I got to get my, my hand to create this shake or whatever. How do you get it to feel like it's really rooted and coming from the body as opposed to something that's just like happening locally here? That's perturbation versus inhibition. So uh, Ben goes to the far end when he does all the stuff and he doesn't hold on to the tissue that he throws out. He allows for it to come back on its own. And then over time it developed the, elasticity that it has now for it to look graceful but in the same way that like anyone learning you have to learn how to inhibit the doing so when you punch instead of holding on to it the whole time you have to let your fucking body catch it so when you throw all that force with a hit you can't be holding on to it the whole time you have to let your body hold on to itself keep itself upright and the difference with uh when you externalize and you lose out on your bracing and you lose out on your grounded, if you are not grounded for the effort of what you're doing, you're probably going to end up in whatever action you're doing it in. So Ben stays grounded. Ben finds his motion through not just the uh, perturbation, the shaking, 
but he also allows for the perturbation to upset the way that his body was prior to. So it's like a stretching or a shifting, and then his body has to catch itself or brace itself back to neutral, back to neutral. And our blueprint is already preset. Reflexes like to catch themselves back in homeostasis. They don't like to throw out and be like, now we're a huge arm and a weird body. It wants to come back to itself. Nice. These principles seem, um, they, you know, when, when Ben was talking about how shaking aligns the cells, I mean, I think that that's uh, a big part of the positive output and the, the good feeling that you get when you get a pair of WEC method pulsers and you figure out the rhythm. For people who don't have rhythm naturally, for those of you who probably were wallflowers at school dances, um, <laughs> you'll have a different experience using a tool like that because it may introduce you to something that connects the feeling and the hearing and the seeing of a new technique that puts it together and, and rhythm starts to make sense for you. So that's going to unlock a bunch of stuff. Um, but I think there's also value. I mean, it, David's at a loss for words. So he uses the word bing. You'll watch his videos and he says, bing. Bing, bing, bing. And he's always talking about binging off the off of all of his steps with his double down pulse technique. But what his double down pulse technique is, is a consistent um, low frequency shake. The frequency is once per step. So so if you if you take it down to that level, it's like he's connecting with himself on like a heartbeat level. It's like boom, boom, boom. Like if you were gonna narrate your running, double down pulse is it. And it gives you that rhythmic feedback so that you can start to connect with how many steps you're actually taking. Um, and once you start to feel what it feels like to align all those cells, then you won't have words for it. Then you'll start using words like bing, 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 bing. So I think he's, he's experiencing something very honest in that technique. Um, and it's cool to watch because I'm not a, a, a big run guy, but I know exactly what he's talking about when he says the word. And I think it's similar to what Ben's talking about. Yeah, the friction point uh, is the biggest thing. Bumping into yourself, coming to terms with yourself as though you're like uh, in a big crowd and the only way to know where everything else is is to not hide yourself but to bump into everything. Like you, you just need to know where everything's at. And if you don't have eyes like your muscles don't, they bump into each other to figure out where each other are. I like the Bing thing. I say that myself in other words, like even with my kids, because you're creating a feedback loop. So in essence, the bing is a word for a process that happens faster than people can cognitively think about. It. It happens in our body regardless. So with the bing, in essence, the way that your body cycles, if you're the slow-mo, the way that nerves communicate, at the end is where they hit the end point, right? At the end of the shaker with the, with the flick of the wrist, then it comes back. Yeah, it's a pain. That's the, yeah, so that's like, that's, that's bing, my right a zings gotta be you know it, it happens but the way that it happens in the body is that it's also like autosonic so the the word and the bing and the sound that's how the body communicates so it's easier to say that than it is to compress a paragraph as to what's happening into the move so it's actually just an easier form of communication and it shortens the feedback loop so it's kind of like if you and i speak the same language we can just talk so the bing is like this but if yeah. i'm talking to someone speaks a different language, 
translate and it takes longer so then that's like a bing so it's just trying to get the feedback loop quicker brings to mind the absent of the bing or the ping when you have a head injury or you have an injury that's more attentive or attention grabbing than the ground or the noise the ground like uh, i've always been super sensitive but today i got another adjustment for uh, Dave S10 and my head opened up again and I cannot even tell you dude uh, like the amount of reflexive things that happen afterwards my neck grows without me having to do anything my eyes start to water my throat literally popped and unraveled and grew like the amount that pressure and tension can restrict the amount of information passaging like passing back and forth as soon as it happened and went away, I felt much taller because the information was traveling much without, uh, without the, like the congestion, wherever I'd be holding tension that would keep me taller. And uh, yeah, dude, it's all information mapping. It's collecting the motion data as Ben puts it. It's, it's putting your brain's ability to echolocate through the body. Like imagine there's a big, your throat is the echolocative chamber or like the big horn and you're just going boo, boo, boo. And you're like, trying to ring that out through your body and it only goes so far if you're not as developed as you'd like to be <laughs> oh man that's fucking lit man that's uh that's what babies do right people think it's funny they're psycho babble that's what they're doing like you mentioned echolocating through themselves and they're developing and extending the nerve cords and that's how they develop the ability to go from mommy daddy i love you it's a monumentous thing that happens behind the scenes. And, you know, where, where's that shit at? Huh? Thank you, Nate, for mentioning that. Well, everyone's still fixed on the crawling aspect. <laughs> 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 the other thing, too, about, the, about that mumbling is uh, the first time a kid is sick, the first fever they get, they moan. Mm. They'll just lay there and go, uh, uh. And it's, it can sound very strange if you're not understanding what's happening, but they know how to self-soothe by making sounded breath, creating resonance, bringing attention back to midline, and then also mapping where their body is. So it's like, I may feel like trash right now, but at least I know where everything is. And it's keeping them in the best possible scenario. And it's yeah. like the first time you watch it kick in automatically, it's a really neat thing if you know what you're looking at. This chat went from fucking zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> it's funny though. It's all, it's all shake still. It's all just like guided vibration through the body. Really just at a, a very different level than against somebody like on a slant board, trying to hold themselves up, which is yeah. probably the same stuff. It's probably them trying to like echolocate, try to find out like where their stability points are. Uh, it's just like, it became so isolated that there's <laughs> not like a congruency to it. Well, you can't feel your way or you can't think your way through feeling. We we're talking about the impulses or the sensory aspect or the limbic stuff, the non-language stuff. None of it happens as slow as thought does. It happens before thought and it integrates uh, sometimes faster than thought uh, processes. Um, but also there's one thing that's huge that most people don't take into account. And if you're not healthy, you might shake because you don't have enough tissue. You don't have enough something to conduct the electricity you don't have enough uh, electricity potential in the body so you're inflaming your body essentially setting on fire the nerves that are not insulated enough like not having enough fat around your nerves is going to be something that inherently makes you process poorly it's like uh, an electrical line in water 
instead of there being that buffer to continuously track that one thought or that one sensation or whatever it may be, something's happening along the way because there's inflammation or there's too much trauma to an area and there's no longer that insulary effect on the nerve. So the nerve is just doing that. It's like burning them out. Overload. Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, (laughs) it's like the shaky knees. You, You picture the cartoon person the shady the skinny person holding up way too much and the legs are a buckle right it's the same it's the same sort of thing um I, i've been i've been sitting on this this thought of uh understanding shaking uh in a lot of contexts for me has been um using understanding what microphones are and understanding what speakers are basically there are spots where you can input data back into the loop and you can influence how the loop works. And then there are spots where you can try and scream into the speaker and all you do is add more convoluted frequency and make the sound even worse. Like but it doesn't do anything. You're, you're, you're forcing an input where outputs go. Yeah. And that's where I, I'm kind of shaking my head because I'm like, there. why would you work against it? Why would you try and force something up the chain when there's more appropriate places to involve that so that you can facilitate vibration as opposed to shaking. Shaking seems to be like the abrasive. It's like a flush versus a drain. Um, flushing is when you force water up the drain in the opposite direction of gravity because you want to break up all the shit. Whereas a drain is like a, a going with gravity and you let it out, right? So it's like there's a, a time and place for each of them. The question is, does anybody really know when they're using it? or not i like the bit that you mentioned nate about basically you're waking yourself up it's like an activator because it's one thing if everyone's all healthy which reality pill no one really fucking is or else we wouldn't be doing this shit yeah it helps to activate but it's one of those things like tony mentioned it needs a jump it needs an overload. It needs like, like, what do you do when you're cold? You rub your hands together. Static right. electricity friction creates heat and you shake your hands to get the, this is the same thing that we're doing. We realize maybe our nerves need a little love and we've got to wake them up. So then there could be a point down the line that people don't do it as often because things are good. It's all woken up and it's activating again, but we're kind of at that jump stage. It's like our battery needs a jump from whatever happened along the way. We need that little stimulus. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, like Tony mentioned as well, who knows where it goes and, you know, how what's going to become of it. But what we've all identified in our own language is that there needs to be some kind of input. And now we're learning how to regulate that input. Yeah. The shakes are something that come about when you're super cold or when you're without the heat to supply comfortable maintenance of homeostasis. Like there's some threat of temperature. Um and I saw a dude, I'd gone to a, uh, an ice bath thing. I'm, I'm not really pro ice bath, but I knew that I could tolerate it now that I've gotten some heat back into my system and some like recovery. And so I went into it and I was, I was enjoying it relative to my, my previous experiences, but I had seen someone going into it prior to me who had like, even in his workouts, it was very frenetic. Like he would just be, he wasn't moving around in like a rhythmic fashion. He was like jerky and trying to like really force something that didn't have like a there was no audience saying you need to get this done and you need to get it done well, but he was operating like that was like, there was a, an audience and then he needed to achieve it. And when he went into the ice bath, it was very similar. It was like, he was fighting the aspect of the cold. 
And that's something that's inherently not okay for people to continuously do to suggest that there's a feeling that they need to feel over the one that they're actually feeling. You can't over like overlay what's actually happening. And for a lot of people that shaking is what's actually happening. And you can't all of a sudden be like, because I want to get there, I'm going to stay in this weak position and I'm going to get stronger in this weak position to get there. No, you have to acknowledge where you're weak and figure out how to differentiate between where you are now and where you want to be. So there will be a change to make it more stabilizing. But uh, when you're in the cold, when you're in any of those things, you have to acknowledge that you are in the cold and your goal is to offset the lack of stability. So to build out heat, not to just build out a tolerance for cold. And when you survive better, you are effectively adapting to your environment better. Shaky environment, how do you find stability where you would otherwise... Like I was in a tree like 80 feet in the air and because I was scared and it was like not really stable, I was shaking like a motherfucker. And there was no changing that. I couldn't have all of a sudden been like, all right, stop shaking. But I did like calm myself down. I was able to like maybe like make it a little easier and jump off it instead of like sinking into it. Uh, and just in the aspect of becoming aware of how you are, it kind of just makes you aware that your body is reacting despite your thoughts, maybe not being totally present to the threat. So you're having a reflexive non-conscious reaction because your body is like, Hey, we have a job here and that is to stay upright and to survive in as comfortable, most efficient way possible. And if you're shaking and compromised, then there's a, if you were just to compromise from that shake and like feel the way that shake makes you feel, you'd be uh, in a, in a poor setting, your body is designed to reflex based off of its predisposition to be upright and anything beyond that, you're trying to correct how it's supposed to be upright. No, it feels the same. Less energy is better. Your body's always a conduit, always electrolyzing, but the less you feel it taking away from your focus, taking away from whatever, the better. It's not like fighting. Cause it's like, like you mentioned one time shaking and going with the feeling is positive. But another time you take that same stimulus and you are to resist it. It's like a push-pull. Sometimes one technique, yeah, go with the flow, feel good. But another time it's like, I'm not going to stand in a tornado. I'm yeah. going to get the fuck. So it's like sometimes you feel that stimulus, like you mentioned with the tree. And like, I'm not going to go with this because it will legitimately go in and my body will take the energy and it will bounce me off the branch. Yeah. So then I learn tension, flexion, heavy, rooted, centered. Same way that monkeys are when they walk, right? And then they just walk with their counterbalance and opposing force. So that way they don't get shaken off the branch. So this is a back to the same thing I was mentioning earlier is that what people are finding and why people are so horny to have one way to do it, like with a lot of the other systems and stuff, is that it makes them feel safe and secure. It makes them feel like they're good in every setting, but it's not reality. You have to have the ability to understand the multifaceted expression of all these different elements. You can't be in one pose all the time. You can't, you can't do it like you can, and then you blow up. So then you realize, okay, you can't. And I respect it. And that's what we're all like harmonizing on is we're realizing you can't just bring a hammer to do every single tool around the house. Yeah. I think the best relationship with that is like, you've been tackled a bunch or you've tackled a bunch and your body has gone with the, once you're off the ground, you're off the ground and you kind of just have to make do with where you're at. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony with metal, like you're, you know, that you're not going to be in the most upright position to close the metal or bend the metal, 
but you find the positions that allow for you to find that tension instead of having to look a certain way, having to be a certain way, you find it and you make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I noticed that I, so in getting a lot of these head adjustments, I went back to jujitsu like a month and a half ago and I had been dropped on my head or like pushed on my head or something, which is very typical, but my neck closed up and like my neck got smaller just after having adjusted and gotten bigger. And so there is something inherently at threat with change in the body. That is anything that gets bigger requires more energy and more output. And so that makes it inherently harder if you don't have enough fuel, if you don't have enough energy to like assuage that change. So anyone that's in the mode to grow, they have to know that there is a difficulty level that increases with each measure of growth. The more energy you need to output or the more energy you have available you, the more energy you have to like maintain. You have to like literally earn your way up to that, that new state. It's like, you'll see animals that go the far end of being super energetic and super quiet about their energy, but they go to the full expression of their stuff and then they rest and then they go to a full expression of their stuff and then they rest. And most humans rest, go to the full expression of their tired self. And then they don't experience what it's like to live at that threshold. So there is a measure of what strength really does to make your life better. It's not just for walking a certain way or walking tall. It's for literally being strong where your body feels weak or your environment feels weak. Yeah. I had that experience playing basketball after working with you for a while where I just felt way more rooted. I felt like I was literally like taking up more space on the court or like I was able to kind of impose or like, not let people into my space. Like they were able to bounce off me kind of, it kind of felt like a a more of a charge. There's growth that came with that, but I was so tired after, or even like after maintaining that level of like strength or or size, essentially, it was a completely different output than I was used to. And I had operated at a certain output and got really good at a certain output for a while. But in that output, I couldn't touch the rim. I couldn't have guys bounce off me in the same way that I felt like all of a sudden I could. Um, And, and in that process, like that, that's the rooting, that's the grounding, that's like the anti shake of it all. Um, But that took a lot of output to the point where I think near the end, I was probably getting a little shaky. I probably needed some like fuel. I needed like to stop and rest really. Totally. It probably broke you down a bit experiencing how much you could tolerate. Over time, what I notice is that the, your center of gravity gets lower. And that's really where you're understanding that your situation is less threatening. The more threatening you get, you're in and up is that center of gravity. It's your ability to be tipped over. It's your ability to flinch out of a stable position. So um, for me, one of my, my biggest breakthroughs in real life when it came to managing my reflexive stress and my flinch response was that um, I live in a place that gets polished ice all winter long, constantly. And with that comes a lot of hidden ice and a lot of slips and falls for a lot of folks. And instead of getting tight or whoa, 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 like a cartoon, uh, what I found myself doing was becoming a puddle. So as soon as I felt like I was losing my footing, I felt like I had more time. So instead of time speeding up, time slowed down. And I was able to go like beat myself to the ground and I could find uh, my center of gravity went down instead of up. So I, I was starting to be ahead of my flinch response, <coughs> pardon me, knowing that I'm in a, a spot that could be slippery, 
but managing it in a way better way. And it was something that I, that without the awareness of understanding how this system works, it'd be very difficult to address that in a way that was going to make me safer being in a place that's going to be high hazard all the time. Totally. Yeah. You have to be aware of it, especially if it's threatening and not like if you don't have the physical tactile ability to stay safe at all times. <laughs> the feeling is, is the pelvis close to the ground. And that's the big one for me is I'm noticing when I'm watching film um, guys love talking, talking about Barry Sanders. Uh, they, they talk about the best wrestlers or, or jujitsu or whatever. And the guys who are most fluid are the ones like African dancers, like all the other stuff that, that we see on our daily feeds. It's the <laughs> pelvis is stable and low to the ground. And if you can be comfortable in those positions, chances are you're not going to end up in a flinchy, constrictive, buckling can type position. Uh, you'll end up taking up those bigger spaces like Ben's talking about playing basketball. It's a lot easier to take up paint when you're feeling like you're a that's constantly spreading as opposed to uh, a robot that's just trying to maintain my cylinders. It's a very different mindset. Yeah, along the lines of that center of gravity, one of the things that I had to do to resolve some hip stuff was really get um, or come out of the up and in at my belly or like literally the lifting of my guts. I felt like I had to really find the relax in my system to allow the weight of my guts to drop into particularly my right hip, especially when I was like an, in a single leg stance and kind of working into a lower position. Um, and that I, now I know kind of a little more about how to create like the force down or the active rooting. But I think the first step in really finding that was the relax, which is also the feeling when I find this or I get the shakes, that's kind of the same like drop of everything that I uh, try to achieve that seems to bring my system down a little bit and gives me like the, the rooting uh, effect without the force necessarily and then once you get that i think that's where you can start to apply that force down and feel how you can really plant yeah i think it needs to come with a pump the ability to present yourself you need to be able to exert pressure into the ground it's all pressure irrespective of like your blood flow and the like and if you're breathing too high into your chest you're probably taking pressure away from your abdomen and so thereby there's less pressure being trans through your psoas and your hips and your femurs so there's not as much calf pressure and you'll notice that there are a lot of people will have tight calves but small calves because it's trying to fixate that tension that's not there for them and uh or someone will have very uh big calves but they're not very articulate like they don't the two bones don't shift and that's all to allow for a lack of motility but an increase of force you can Tension allows force or size, like the conveyance of kinetic force around the muscle. But people are just making do with way less dynamic systems than we were otherwise capable of. And you know a dynamic system because it looks so much more powerful than a system that is not. Like it's big hands, big feet, big shoulders. And then uh, respective of presence, it's not like it's a, I don't know. There's a lot of non non communicator, non verbal gestures that communicate with someone that is very secure in their behavior. And you'll notice that a lot of people that uh, try to talk the talk are also communicating their physical insecurities in their in their whatever their programming. Like we all physically language around our body's capacity to feel because it's our brain's expression. Ben T, have you ever worked in a bar? Yeah, I have. 
Okay, so all of us have seen people in. So we've all uh, we've all taken jobs at some point in the in the industry in the scene. So the lights are off. All we have is body language because we can't talk to anybody inside. But you can tell who's strung out, and you can tell who's dominant and probably the DD, and you can tell who's somewhere in between and trying to figure that out. And a lot of that comes down to how they stand, how they walk, and how they interact with other people. Totally. And none of those things um, are are privy to information that you need deep information deep knowledge to figure out i think we all know it it's just a matter of giving ourselves permission to say i did know that i did know that the guy that walks in and is looking around like is my girlfriend cheating on me is my girlfriend cheating on me like the velociraptor is not secure that's not safe that person is constantly looking for something that's not the big cat in the room the the big black dude hanging in the corner who's just chilling and he's dancing to all the music and he's singing along to all spice girls and stuff Everybody flocks to that energy. That's the dominating energy in the room. And it's not because of their size. It's because they're like, I'm not threatened here. I'm here to have a good time and I'm going to have a good time. And there's nobody in the room that's going to stop that. Everybody ends up going there. Their behavior, the way they walk is very different than the velociraptor and very different than the lemur who's standing there just looking around to see am I in somebody's way? Who's going to bump into me? I hope nobody spills my beer. Like, these are archetypes that exist everywhere, but it, I just find that a nightclub is a perfect place to see where people exhibit their physical expressions in their walking gait because they're not performing for anybody. They don't realize they're, they're getting a gait assessment. You're just watching how they behave. And it's one of the most interesting water holes that we, watering holes that we have at our disposal. Real. So crazy stuff there, but you, you also get comfortable experiencing how many people are unconsciously provoking or projecting their discomfort. And so coming to terms with sometimes people move and shake because they're feeling the discomfort of others, like a non-expressed version of other people. I knew I used to do that all the time because I didn't have like I was picking up on other people's whatever those non-gesture, non-communicated gestures or the non-communicated cues. And because I hadn't figured out whatever I was dealing with at the time, I was like, I don't feel comfortable being around this stuff. There was a lot of frenetic that came with it. So it was a lot of shaking, but it was literally in the same way that Ben does it. It was a shaking of trying to integrate the information and being like, I don't want none of this on me. And I would oftentimes be like, mm, my hands are dirty right now being around you people. <laughs> like a gang sign. <laughs> not enough for me. <laughs> I'm going to say bit and then I got to roll but uh, it's just with the shaking. Um, again, when we're dealing with electrical impulse and energy, something that we may notice with some of the people that we work with or some that like they stay a little bit and then they leave is that when you're generating charge, you're changing the battery and you're changing how every system in the body works. So Nate, like you mentioned after your adjustment, some people are going to feel shitty. They're going to feel pit needles. They're going to feel weakness. They're going to have like inflammation, uh, fucking lymph drainage. They're going to have random stuff that comes up and random pains. And the initial response oftentimes is that they want to flee because they feel like it's supposed to feel good. It's all supposed to be whatever. But when you're recalibrating a machine, I view it as like teething with kids is that it's a positive thing to get your teeth coming in. But the pain that you're enduring in order to create that transformation, like you mentioned, you have to create cellular mass. 
you have to create cellular duplication in order to, I would say, replicate and or maintain the new stimulus that you're putting in. All your systems have to adapt around that to promote being able to replicate it in a way that is more energy efficient than the first time that you did it, which will be the most taxing. So that's something that I would say is like a disclaimer to some of the folks that like the stuff that we're all doing feels great once you get that calibration. But until then, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. Like Nate mentioned, stress the strong. You're introducing new stress and stimulus like weightlifting to your body in order to shred things down and then come out stronger on the other side. But it is a process and there are going to be some things like energetic sickness and just a whole host of stuff that shows up because you're going through a transformation. It's like you're going through teething, right? And that shit fucking hurts. And it's not going to be pretty and beautiful all the time. But it's like once the teeth come in, oh, I could chew some more food and everything's a lot better now. So there is a learning curve in undertaking this work, especially when it comes to uh, shaking. Ben, if you have time, is there one kind of like jump start that you think most people need that that might result in some shaking? It might not. But is that um, input of like electrical energy in a vital area that you think most people need? Uh, everyone's organs are kind of bunked up. So, uh, energy, like they're very, like most people that we deal with, they're super tight in the hips and low back. And as a result, the shoulders and neck and jaw and everything else follows, but it stems from the organs. And this is why the old, um, systems existed of Tai Chi and Qigong and stuff is that the same sort of thing started to happen with them when they started to change lifestyle started to become more agriculturally savvy and started to introduce more furniture. It's something that they started to find out. So then they're like, well, we got to create a methodology to counteract that so that we're generating that, that chi, if you will, that energy from the organs in and out, just like the punch and then back like the recoil. So that way we stop getting bent over and bent over and bent over and tighter and tighter. And we all see it with everyone with how they drive and how they text and whatever else. A lot of that stems from the organs straight up where everything is there, but the organs take in all of our input and they send everything back and they do all the filtration they're like the mom and dad they make sure everything is safe and secured and can maintain to where the rest of our bodies like the kids and like i just want to make sure that i have food and water and clothing so that i could just go around and fuck around and explore and do all the fun stuff the organs are the ones that make it safe the organs are the ones that regulate and they're like, ah, hold on now, little Johnny, you've got to get some rest. If you keep going, you're going to burn out or, oh, make sure you eat. So the organs are are more taxed. I call the midline, or what science called midline now, but really it's all energetics of the organs, how you're living.